Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. So glad to spend a few moments in God's Word with you now, uh, but also for baptisms. Baptisms are one of the, the, my favorite things we get to do as a church. Uh, in general, because we're celebrating new life in Jesus, but also today because I get to baptize my nine-year-old daughter. And so, yeah, get ready to clap and celebrate. We're going to do a lot of that as we go along here. Brad mentioned it as well. Uh, we believe baptism is a public declaration of your inward faith in Jesus. And so if you haven't ever taken that step, we, we have you covered today. Even if you showed up today not thinking at all about baptism, in the lobby we have a shirt for you, we have shorts, we have towels, we have a place to change. Uh, we'll have people to talk with you in the back of the service all the way to the end of the service. And so my hope, my prayer for you is if you've never taken that step publicly to declare faith in Jesus through baptism, that today would be your day. January 13th, 2019, that God would move in your life in these next few moments and you would take that step. So we invite you to do that a little bit later in the service. Uh, today, right now, we are starting a brand new series called How People Change. And what we're talking about really is, is how God often brings big change through small steps. And, and I know for me, lots of things have changed in my life over the years. I've always changed, different things, big things, small things. I used to uh, hate avocado, right? That has changed. Now I will pay 10 bucks to have it spread on toast, right? So I used to hate avocado, taste, texture, just didn't like it for whatever reason. Now I love it, right? So foods have changed for me. I'm sure they have for you. Uh, but not only foods, things like music has changed for me. Like, I used to hate country music. And I grew up in Texas, so I could never say that publicly without being branded as a heretic, right? I had to just keep that inside, but I did not like country music. I thought it was part of the fall of mankind, and that one day God would redeem that just with everything else. You know, no more tears, pain, death, no more country music. I used to hate it, but now... As many dark things as I see in our world, as many things I get to see as a pastor, I can get behind some boot scootin' boogie. Yeah. I, I, I love country music now. I love listening to country music now, but that has changed over the years. And I would imagine for you, there's little things like that. There's other things that have changed for you, that things are always changing in our world for sure, but also in you. And the question is not, are we changing? It's, what are we changing into? Uh, are these changes happening in your life, even as you start a new year? Are they for good or for worse? For Christians, I know not everybody in here is a Christian, but if you call yourself a believer in Jesus, you want to be asking, okay, I'm changing. Am I becoming more like Christ or less? Right? So we're all changing as we start this new series on change, and we have to ask the question, how are we changing, and is it intentional? Is it godly change? that's making us more like Jesus for his glory and our joy. And so we're gonna talk about what that looks like and what we're gonna see over these next four weeks is that, that big change that we wanna see often doesn't happen through a huge dramatic event, but instead it through, happens through small steps of obedience. We're gonna talk about what we call in church history spiritual disciplines, these, these small steps of obedience, going in the same direction, putting practices in our life, disciplines in our life that slowly become habits. And as those habits form in our life, the Holy Spirit uses those habits to actually form and shape and change our very character and nature and our behavior. 
And so we're going to look at those. The first one we're going to look at today is this, regular worship with a covenant community. Regular worship with a covenant community. Now we're going to flesh out what covenant, community, all those things mean as we get into this. But we're going to do that from your Bible. So grab that now. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to be. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Uh, Grab a Bible. We want you to have God's word in front of you, not just my word in front of you. The power is in the word of God. And so pull it up on your phone, BibleGateway.com. You can head there. Hebrews chapter 10, 24 through 25. And I'm going to read it, and then we'll dig into it together. Hebrews 10, you ready? It says this. And let us consider... How to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Our first point, if you take notes, is the power of us, the power of us. If you look at those verses, do that with me now in your Bible, you see some communal language in them. You see this word us right off the bat. You see this phrase, one another, twice. You see this word together. And it's not just in Hebrews 10 that we see that. If you look at the whole of the New Testament, we see that phrase, one another, 59 times. That the whole of our Bible is communal in nature. You see these, this, there's an us, there's a, a together, there's a one another, that nothing in your Bible happens just in isolation. That it's in relationship. You think about the, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, pa- peace, patience, kindness, All those are things that you do with other people. You show them love. You you express joy with other people that that our God is relational. His design is relational. And it doesn't just start in the New Testament with the 59 one another's. It starts all the way back in Genesis. Before sin, before the fall, God says to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. Before sin, before anything is distorted, before anything is corrupted, God shows up on the scene and says, you know what? I don't like you by yourself. I want you around some other people. I want you in relationship. That is God's design, not just in Hebrews 10, but through all of scripture. Now, it's not even just his design. It goes deeper than that. God models to us This kind of relationship, purposeful, meaningful, lasting community and relationship. God models it. You look at the Gospels. Jesus is always with people, isn't he? I mean, he's walking with people, never walks by himself. He's he's sitting down with people. He gets the little people, the kids, to come and circle around him. He eats with people. Jesus is always with people. Even after the resurrection, the most profound act in all of history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, you would think after that moment, Jesus would lead a pep rally, right? Jesus would get in front of people and do a lot of profound miracles. Jesus would preach a really rich sermon, one that would go something like this, like, I died, but now I'm alive. Take that. I'm God. Right? You would think maybe Jesus would do some of that kind of stuff. But what does Jesus do after the resurrection? He grabs some people, his disciples, and he has breakfast with them. You see, God has not only created you for relationship, God himself in his very nature is relational. 
meaningful, lasting relationship, community in our lives. That's how God designed us, and that's how God has modeled for us in his own character. And as he creates you in his image to resemble his character, you, even if you're melancholy, even you, even if you're introverted, you have been created for relationship. You have some level of longing, even if you're not extroverted, even if you're not sanguine, the life of the party, even if that's you, there's something in you that, that knows I need to be connected. I want an us. I want to be connected to a one another. There's something in all of us where we feel that. Now, tragically, few of us very actually have those types of relationships. I mean, some of you are thinking right now, Tim, as you talk about purposeful, meaningful, lasting relationships, covenant community, like designed for that, maybe, yeah, I have some longing for that, but I don't know if I actually have those relationships, and you're not alone in that. I read a study this week that said 54% of adults feel like no one really knows them that well. Over half of adults say purposeful, meaningful, lasting relationship, I don't know that I have that. And that's why psychologists, sociologists, in our time specifically, are calling loneliness an epidemic. It's why you see studies, like I read this week, that loneliness has the same impact on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That, that people are noticing, hey, isolation and loneliness, I mean, that's a problem. Right? It affects our physical health. Just like smoking 15 cigarettes a day and, and people are looking out and saying, hey, we're created for relationship. Hey, I need relationship, but I don't have it. And it's not going well for our culture. It's not going well even in our church culture. We're not connected. And it's hurting us. Our disconnectedness is destroying us. And some of you this morning, as we start a new year, we start a new series, How People Change. You feel that. One of the reasons you're back in church to start the new years because, hey, something's not right with my relational life. Hey, something's not right with my marital life. I mean, it's all these things we, we vowed together in front of our friends and family on that day when we got married. It's not coming out like I thought it would. Like We argue a lot. We don't talk a lot. We have trouble praying together. It's, it's a hard thing to do. We have trouble getting in church together. And my marriage that I thought was going to be so grand is, is hard relationally. Those, those friendships, those, those deep, meaningful, lasting relationships, like, man, I, I thought I had some good friends when I was in college, but I graduated, got a job. Everybody started having babies but me. <laughs> Nobody got time for me anymore. I mean, these relationships are hard, and some of you feel what these studies show. But the problem is this. Instead of looking for a, a real, biblical, godly, intentional solution for those, those aches, those longings in our soul, we look for a quick fix, a simple answer. We think, I'll just, I'll join a softball team. Yeah, that, that'll do it. Meetup group. Maybe romance. I mean, that's what I need. Like, if I could just hook up with somebody, you know, one night stand, I mean, just have my physical needs met. I mean, then that'll solve, solve this aching in my soul. And we minimize our relational, 
God-given need for covenant community, and we minimize it and try to fix it with a surface-level solution. And we're left lonely again. And so we need something more profound than that. We need some people that will laugh with us. Right? We need some people who will lean on us, who we can lean on them when things aren't going well. We need some people who will sit down and do the miraculous work of listening with their full face, engaging you in proximity and presence. We need that. We need not people who will just serve us. We need not people who will just keep it casual with us and, and flippant with us and people who will use us. We don't even need people who will just make us feel better about ourselves. Like, well, once I met Bobby, I mean, I just, it all came true. Like, I am a snowflake. Like, I just, I needed somebody to come along and tell me that I'm so unique. Like, my mom was right. You don't even need that. What you need is what we call covenant community. What you, what you need is not what somebody else can even do for you. It's what you can do for them. It's a commitment rooted in, in service, in unchanging truth, in unconditional love to another person. And then collectively, you have these, this covenant community that says, hey, when things get hard, I'm not going anywhere. Hey, when you need to talk, I am going to listen with my full face and not be on my phone. Hey, when you need to laugh together, I'm right there with you. Hey, when you need to follow Jesus and it gets hard, hey, when you need to go to church on a Sunday, I'm going to encourage you and walk with you in that. We're going to lock arms together. You need that. You need a covenant community. You need purposeful, meaningful, lasting relationships to fill the deep longing of your soul. I need that. And sometimes, as we look at the gospel, as we look at the Bible, we, we believe Jesus died, Jesus rose again, Jesus can forgive me of my sin, Jesus can restore me vertically to himself and give me a relationship with him, and I can pray to him, and I can talk to him, and I can be unconditionally loved by him, and it's all vertical, and we don't extend that out to horizontal. And we miss the gospel. You see, the beauty of the gospel is not just God restores you, a sinful person, to a holy God. The beauty of the gospel is that God restores you, a sinful person, to a holy God vertically. And that extends out. It spills out over. And God begins to restore you, sinful people, to other sinful people, to a one another. And he creates an us. He restores an us. That's the beauty of the gospel. Is that he has bought for you at the cross the community that you were designed for the community that sin distorts. God, through the gospel, restores us to one another. And many of us, we'll try to separate those two things. We'll try to separate our, our vertical relationship with God from our horizontal relationships with others. I, I've shared this illustration before, but I think it's helpful. I'm a dad of three kids. And, and some of us, here's what we try to do, is it would be like if you were to come to me as a father and say, hey, Tim, I wanna hang out with you. I'm really liking your vibe. I want to get together. Can we grab coffee together? Like, I really want to just connect with you in the new year. I want to spend some quality time with you. But your three-year-old daughter, can you just leave her at home? I mean, just, you know, 
she's all right, but like the way she smiles, I mean, it just kind of annoys me. I mean, sometimes the way she looks at me, like I can't even stand to look at her. But you, Tim, you like, I like you. I mean, we need to hang out. Don't bring your three-year-old daughter. I don't want to see her. Kind of can't stand her. But you, let's hang out. Let's get together. Now, are we hanging out? No, <laughs> right? Sorry to break that to you. Why? Because she's my daughter. I'm her father. You love me. You love her. We're a package deal, right? And it's the same way with God. You say, I want to follow God. I, I like Jesus, but I don't like his kids. It's a package deal. You can't follow God, but be like, these kids, they're kind of messy. I mean, the church, I mean, people sin against me and have offended me and burned me before. And I mean, God, I want to follow you. Like, I like Jesus, but not the church. I mean, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Like, I like God, but the people part, stay away. And it doesn't work like that. Because we are joined together. God is our father. We are his kids. As God restores us to himself, he also restores us to one another. He creates an us. That is an essential part of the gospel. It's not an added bonus. It's not that something you decide like, okay, well, I want to follow God and I guess I'll figure out the church thing. No, it's one and the same. It's a package deal. He's our father. We are his kids. As we connect with God, we connect with each other. That's why this us is so powerful. That's why this us is so powerful because we are not affiliated. We are not connected over something as simple as affinity, as personality. You and I, this us is connected over Christianity. That our relationship is rooted not in whether our personalities fit, not in whether you get along with me or not, not, not whether everything is perfect, not if we get in together and we pay dues and we're in the same club together and we go golf together, not any of those simple, fragile things. It's much deeper than that. It's rooted in a relationship with God the Father. That's why there's a power of us, of one another, of together. It's powerful being connected to God's people. And it's powerful because of some of the things we do together. Keep looking at Hebrews 10 with me. The practice of us is our second point. What happens within the us that changes us? What happens as we get together that changes us? We see it in Hebrews 10. We stir up one another. We encourage one another. Not just aimlessly to something random, but to love and good works. This is our sanctification, becoming more like Christ. As we love other people and grow in that love, as we grow in our good deeds, our good works, that's called sanctification. That's us being transformed. That's us changing into the image of God. And that happens when we're together. He says, not neglecting to meet together. That sanctification, that transformation is a cooperative effort. It happens when you get around other people. That proximity provides opportunity. As you get around other people in a space like this on a Sunday, as you get into a community group, anywhere God's people are gathered, they're meeting together, and you're not neglecting that. That should stir you up. That should encourage you to what? To love, to good works, to sanctification, to transformation. And there is no substitute for proximity. I know for me, um, 
seen this multiple times in my life, but one particular time with one of my best friends from college who got divorced and was going through a really hard time. And I called him and I texted him and we talked and we laughed, but he's in another city and he was still having a hard time. And there became a moment where we needed proximity to provide the opportunity for love and good works. And so I had to get on a plane and say, hey, I'm coming to see you. I'm going to be with you. And proximity provided us the opportunity to talk about the pain and the hurt in his life, the feeling of abandonment, that, that divorce that he never thought was coming, that he never thought, I'm going to be one of those people who is with those statistics, that I'm going to get a divorce. Like, never, that's not going to be me. She's not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. But he was at that place in proximity, nothing else. Text, call, we needed some proximity to provide the opportunity for love and good works. There is no plan B. God has set it up this way that together you would stir one another up, encourage one another when things are awesome and when things are hard. And you would lead one another to grow in love and good works, so much so that the author of Hebrews says, don't neglect doing this as some are in the habit of doing. Make it a priority to be in community. All that God wants to accomplish in your life, all the change, particularly as we think about a new year, all of that happens in relationship, not in isolation. But many times for us, we, we don't see that, right? And, and we know we don't see that because when we're struggling with sin, we think, and I say this and you say this, I just need to get away. I just need to get away for a little while and, and work on my life a little bit and, and confess this sin and, and get rid of this sin, uh, maybe pay off this financial debt. I mean, if I could just escape for a little while, I need to add some structure to my life. I need to get away from the job and the people and the church, and, and I just need to fix some of these things in life, work some of these sins out in my life, work some of this conflict, this financial, this emotional thing that I'm, I'm going through. I just need to get away, and then I'll come back. And then I'll present myself for relationship in the church. Tim, I just need to get, I need to handle some things, and then I'll come back to the church. Now, the sad irony of that is everything you're struggling with is not because of what's out there, it's because of what's in here. And as you go away to get by yourself, the heart is deceitful above all else. And as you go away to get by yourself and trust your gut and follow your heart, God is screaming out to you in those moments, no, don't get away. Don't get more of the deceit. Don't get more of that lie that control is actually helping you. That's, that's deceitful. Don't get more isolated. There's insanity in isolation. Don't go away and get by yourself to deal with that sin. You have blind spots. That control isn't helping you. It's pushing everybody away who cares about you. That lust, it's not fulfilling you. No matter what you feel physically, it's not working out. That bitterness that you think, I'm gonna show them, I mean, they're really gonna know, like 2019, don't mess with me. That's deceitful. That bitterness is poisoning you. It's destroying you. And it's, we buy the lie that I just need to get away 
fix some things, and then I'll re-enter community. And that's not the way God has set it up. The way God designed it is for you to get with a one another and us and stir one another up towards love and good works and encourage one another towards love and good works and challenge one another. Don't neglect to meet together as in the habit of some. Get to one another and, and challenge one another and say, hey, don't believe this lie. I love you. I want what's best for you. And this is not. And God meant for sanctification to be a cooperative effort. And a lot of us have believed the lie that we can do it on our own. Over here, over here, and then get my act right. And then, Tim, I wanna join that. I'm gonna join that service team. I'm gonna get in that community group you talk about. But first, I gotta clean some things up. No, the heart is deceitful above all else. You don't need to trust your gut, follow your heart, get by, by yourself. You need to be with people who care about you, who, who love you enough to speak the truth to you. God has set it up that way. God himself lived it that way through Jesus Christ. You need to be with people. That's why the author of Hebrews says, don't neglect it, because proximity provides the opportunity for love and good works, for becoming more like Jesus. Now, I know some of you will push back on that and say, well, Pastor Tim, I mean, I've tried the proximity thing. I've come to church. I've even attended one of these community groups you guys always talk about. Like, I've tried the proximity that's supposed to lead to the opportunity for love and good works. Like, I went to church. I did that growing up. I mean, even just recently, I've come every once in a while. I come like once a month. I mean, proximity, like, I've tried that, but I don't have the kind of purposeful, meaningful, relationships that you describe. I don't have it. And so here's what I would say, is that community, covenant community, rooted in service, unchanging truth, unconditional love, those types of relationships, they're not quick and they're not easy. If they were, the author of Hebrews wouldn't have needed to say, hey, don't neglect meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. He could have just said, hey, community, getting together, stirring one another up, encouraging one another towards love and good deeds. Hey, keep up the good work. boy. It, it would have been a lot shorter. Like the whole Bible would be a lot shorter. If community were quick and easy, and all you had to do was just proximity, opportunity, once or twice, it all clicks, bam, I got lasting relationships in my life. If it were that easy, the Bible wouldn't be 66 books. It'd be a lot shorter. Paul, the apostle, wouldn't have written so many letters to churches in the New Testament who were so jacked up to their core in relationships. Like Philippians, Colossians, Ephesians, could have been like four verses each. Hey, community with God, with people, love one another, keep up the good work, go get them, right? But I don't know about your Bible, my Bible's kind of thick. It's thick with letters, with instruction on how to do us. Because it's hard. Because it takes time. Because it takes effort. Because it takes repeated, intentional effort 
over amounts of time because it takes coming on a Sunday and joining a community group during the week and actually coming up to somebody and saying, hi, my name's Tim. How long have you been coming here? Because it takes effort. That community, that lasting, purposeful, meaningful relationships, it takes work. It takes forgiveness. It takes repentance. It takes childcare. Amen? Like it takes work. Nobody ever said it was easy. The Bible is not presenting to you an easy, quick fix. That's why the author of Hebrews is challenging you. Hey, some are in the habit of giving this up. Why? Because it's easy? No, because it's hard. So people just said, hey, I don't want to meet together. I don't want to cultivate relationships like this. It's too hard. It's not easy, but oh, is it worth it? It's worth it. Why? Because God designed you. He configured your soul this way and this way only. Because God modeled it to you, even though he's perfect with no needs at all. God said, hey, Jesus, as he shows up and puts on flesh, he's going to walk with people. He's going to sit with them. After he resurrects from the dead, option A, lead a rally. No. Option B, do some cool miracles. No. Option C, tell all the Roman officials, gotcha. I'm resurrected. You can't hold me down. No. Cross that off. Breakfast with his disciples. This is what you were created for. This is how God designed you. But you have to make it a priority, and that's where we end. End of verse 25, look at it with me, the, the priority of us. It says, all the more, do this all the more as you see the day drawing near. When you see the day, that phrase in scripture, it's typically referring to the return of Jesus Christ, to reign with his people, to be with his people, that you and I will be rightly connected when Jesus comes back to him and to one another. And what this is saying is, hey, that's the way you're gonna spend the rest of eternity, Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, before God, with God, in perfect relationship, and with one another. So, hey, start now. That's the way, I don't know if you know, your whole future is going to look like. So start now. Start practicing now. Make this a priority. And so some of us are here, and it's 2019, things are changing, and we're like, Tim, I'm in. I need relationships like this. I need some people who listen with and, and laugh with me and lean on me, and I get to do that with them. I want some covenant community. Where do I start? I want to give you just a couple things. The first thing is this, that you would make a commitment to gather with God's people on Sundays, that you would make a commitment. Now, a lot of us, we've tried that. We've tried going to church on Sunday, and it doesn't really work, and it kind of falls off, and things get in the way, and our schedule changes, and we have a hard time making it into this room. And the key here is I want you to make a commitment. I want you to plan on it. And if you think about it, anything in life that you want to happen happens that way. You think about the gym, which I know hypothetically some of you have planned to go to in 2019. It's on your resolution list, right? Like, get back in the gym, get back in shape, keto, paleo, all those words that rhyme. <laughs> right? That's on some of your list. How do you make that happen? How do you make that not a New Year's resolution in 2020? Because you fixed it this year. You plan for it. You schedule it in. Hey, I'm going to wake up every morning, take a bag, shower, work out, 
go to work, it's gonna happen. Hey, spouse, hey, friend, roommate, hey, after I get off work, I'm going to the gym, I'll be home later, wait for me for dinner. I'm gonna plan it, I'm gonna schedule it, it's gonna happen, I'm gonna make a commitment to work out. Orange Theory, wife just joined Orange Theory, they make you schedule it. You can't just show up. Why do you think they do that? Because they know you have to make a commitment to change physically, to get in shape. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. Nothing happens. Listen, nothing happens the way we treat church. Nothing works like the way we treat church. Nothing else works like that, where we say, hey, I need to get back in church. I mean, when it's convenient for me, I mean, when I get my act cleaned up, I mean, sometime, uh, yeah, I should probably, that church over there, my friend told me about, like, yeah, maybe, I could just kind of, no, working out doesn't work like that. A healthy diet doesn't work like that. Church doesn't work like that. That Sunday morning church is a Saturday night decision. It's a plan. It's a commitment that you make. Why? Because you need to be with God's people, in God's presence, with God's people, with the diverse, unified community of God's church. Listen, can I just be honest with you? I'm gonna, okay. Um, I don't always, there have been Sundays where I don't always wanna be with us. Can, Can I just be honest in church? There have been days on occasion, very rare when they happen, but there have been days where I'm just not feeling it with God. I'm just not feeling it with you. Now, I know you would say, well, Tim, you're a pastor. It's kind of your job. You got to show up, right? But in my own way, I've made a commitment to come. And so I I do know that I'm going to come, and I'm not only just going to be with you, I'm going to pour out to you, even if I'm not feeling it. And here's what I can tell you, is that there's never been a Sunday, ever, before I was a pastor, and I, and I just said, okay, I don't really feel it with God, with people, but I'm going to show up. I'm going to come on Sunday. Hey, I, I, I'm not really feeling it. God, I need your help today to preach to these people. And I, and I get done with my message. There's never been a Sunday ever in my life where I thought, I kind of regret doing that. I kind of wish I stayed at home in bed. I kind of wish I just watched football. There's never been a Sunday where I made a commitment, a plan to be with all of you, even if I didn't feel it, where I, after the fact, didn't think, I'm thankful for what God did today in me, through me, through other people. You make a commitment, a plan to be with the people of God. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. You know that. And so you you schedule it. 2019 hey, we're not going to plan back-to-back-to-back-to-back trips out of town on the weekend. We're going to space them out because we need to be with God's people. We don't need to neglect meeting with one another, stirring up and encouraging one another in good works and love. Like As spouses, as friends, as roommates, we're going to talk about Sunday and what our plans are after church and and all those brunch invitations and all those other things that we could be doing. We're going to say, not at that time. We're going to do them later because this, us, there's power in us. And so we're going to make a commitment to do that. The second thing, we're going to join a community group. That one hour on a Sunday of us is not enough. And for us, we have community groups that, that intentionally gather you together so you can change, so you can be stirred up, so you can have a launching pad. It doesn't all happen just because you show up to a community group, but it begins to happen. It opens the door for relationships for people who love you. 
for people who will walk with you in humility and vulnerability and lock arms with you. We don't, just so you know, if you're wondering, if you're new to Phoenix Bible Church, we don't do community groups just to give you something to do during the week. I, I know you got stuff to do. I got stuff to do. We don't just say, what, hey, what programs can we do in our church that will look really snazzy this year? Community groups. Like gather together in people's homes and open scripture and walk together through the messiness of life together. Yeah, let's just add it. Why not? We need another program. No, we have community groups because they are the vehicle for what Hebrews is calling us to. So I invite you to get in one of those. And listen, I know there's schedule. I know there's insecurity. I know for me, when I was in college, I would get invited to a community group over and over and over by this guy named Jason. Poor guy. <laughs> because I would always tell him, I'm there this week, Tuesday, 6.30. What, where do you live again? Even though I knew. I'm there. And 6.30 would come around, and I'm like, Jason, oh, man, you wouldn't believe. I just, I got to study for this exam tomorrow, and I didn't know it was happening, and I just, you know, I can't make it. Okay. And I, I missed out. It took two or three years for me to show up to a community group. And listen, I still follow Jesus. I learned some truth about the Bible. I began to change some things about my life, but my life wasn't transformed until I got with that group of people regularly who cared about me enough to speak the truth and love to me, to walk with me. It wasn't until I got that covenant community on a regular basis that my life changed and that I, I, I'm standing before you today because of that. And so make a commitment to join us on Sundays Sounds simple, but it's harder to live out. Make a commitment. Join a community group. Get around some other people who will love you, who you can lean on and walk with in this Christian life. For some of you, those are the steps you need to take. For others of you, your step is, if you're honest, hey, I'm not a part of this us yet. I, I mean, I haven't really, if I look at my life, I haven't given my life to, to Jesus. I haven't believed that he died for my sin. And maybe that's your step today. Maybe for some of you, you would say, Tim, I am a Christian, but I just feel so disconnected right now. And I've just been away too long. I mean, I've done some things, and I've, I haven't done some things in a really long time. And, and I've been to some places, and, you know, I just don't know if church is a fit for, for me. And listen, you need to hear me right now. If that's you, that is a lie directly from Satan himself to convince you that you don't really fit. I, I've done too much. I mean, these people over here, I mean, they look nice. I mean, she said hi to me. She, she was singing. He, he was singing. I don't really fit in with those people. And, and can I just tell you that God is not surprised by your mess. God is not surprised by you. That God didn't send Jesus to die for sin, and then you showed up on the scene with your sin, with your financial difficulty, with your emotional hardship, with your sexual and, and crisis and all of these things, that God didn't send Jesus onto the scene, and then you show up with your sin, and he think, oh, wait a second. I did not expect that. I knew it was going to get crazy, but not that crazy. Like, I didn't know it was going to be that messy. I mean, this person with, with your drama, I didn't see that one coming. No, Jesus died for you knowing full well all of your mess, 
that he is the God who was and is and is to come, that he, listen, he knows about the mess you don't even know about yet. And he died for it on the cross to restore you to himself, but also to restore you to an us. That God set this thing up with you in mind, with your mess in mind, and that it's a lie from Satan himself to think, I don't know if I fit. Diminishes the cross of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, who, who did that full well, knowing all of your mess. Do you believe that? It's true for you today. I love this quote, and we'll end here, by Philip Yancey, an author and theologian. He said this. He said, as I look around on Sunday morning, the people populating the pews, I see the risk that God has assumed. For whatever reason, God now reveals himself in the world not through a pillar of smoke and fire, not even through the physical body of his son in Galilee, but through the mongrel collection that comprises my local church and every other such gathering in God's name. This is the way God designed it, to work in you, to change you, to work through you, to change other people towards love and good works. He is calling you. He has called you. Will you step into that? Will you say today, January 13th, 2019, I'm crossing over from fear to faith. I'm not gonna let those insecurities anymore divide me from the people God has called me to love and who he's called them to love me. I'm crossing over that today is the day I'm gonna look back that day when that guy was yelling, when that guy was really excited, that was the day where I said, no more isolation, only intimately loved. And not just with God, but with one another. Today is your day. God has called you. He's calling you now. How do you need to respond? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray for these men and women. I pray that they would respond in this moment. They would cross over from a place of isolation to a place of intimately loved. That God, that doesn't just happen with you, but that happens with an us. And there's power in an us. And I know that right now that, that Satan, that our flesh is just resisting that and thinking, well, today will pass. We'll go eat lunch, carry on about our day. And, you know, maybe I need some people and relationships, but I'll get to that later. It'll just happen. I do need to take care of some sin in my life privately first and then kind of reconvene and re-enter community. And God, I pray in this moment that you would bind the, the lie of the enemy that would tell any of us in here that. And God, that instead, your Holy Spirit will convict us, would challenge us to draw near to you and draw near to others who love us, who, who are there to listen to us, there to walk with us and be changed as we are changed by God, I pray for the man or woman in this room who their first step today needs to be baptism, to, to publicly declare, hey, I'm part of the us. And I've been holding back because I, I don't know, I just, I just thought I'm not good enough yet and I don't know if Jesus' death is for me and I am kind of messy and maybe he didn't know about my mess. And God, I pray that you would squash those thoughts and that in this moment, there's men and women at the back of this room standing there waiting for them to stand up come and pray with them and that today they could publicly declare, hey, I'm in the us 
And I'm gonna, I'm gonna work on being in the us. I'm gonna live a whole life following Jesus and doing that with God's people. God, I pray for those men and women now. And God, I pray for all of us that we would, we would sing with an us, we would gather with an us in this moment and allow you to continue to change us and celebrate the change you've already made in us and look forward to the change you're gonna bring about in this new year. Father, we thank you, praise you. It's in the name of Jesus.